Hello, folks. Welcome back to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm Parks Miller. Uh, it's been a little bit. Uh, we took a somewhat of a of a break, but we're we're back on schedule now. So uh, I mean, we, we're gonna have a nice regular dump. <laughs> Our dumps are regular. Yes, <laughs> some re- some Metamucil. I told Ryan. Yes, yeah. And uh, speaking of Metamucil, I, I feel like today's uh, subject we're uh, big on. Uh, well, just about anything powder that you would mix into a cup. Oh, you yeah. know the, these guys are. Very uh, powder-induced uh, superheroes, if you will. Mm-hmm. I've I had never heard of these guys uh, until we did this. So right. Well, that's the thing. This is kind of a this is like a deep dump. Mm-hmm. Um, some some folks are gonna know. Like this is definitely for like your VHS nerds. Your like real kind of kitschy. Like th- this is for the true dump heads. Yeah. Uh, out. Uh, but before we get into it, uh, Ryan. You did something really special. You made us a freaking store. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was, uh, yeah. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, no. We 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 started the Culture Dump Superstore. Uh, on there, you will be able to get merch. We don't have uh, much of that right now up, but we're also selling. Think of it as like Culture Dumps the store. So there's going to be all kinds of pop culture collectibles, and you know that that includes you know, tchotchkes and, and collectible items, but also, you know, books and movies and music and all kinds of stuff. Anything we think that someone that listens to the show might be interested in, we're going to be listing it up there. It's live now. So you can go to culturedumps.bigcartel.com. Um, eventually it'll be linked through culturedumps.com, but for now, culturedumps.bigcartel.com. Uh, I loaded up a bunch of DVDs on there. Uh, some, some pretty good stuff and some good books. So be sure to check that out. It's going to be growing a lot. I'm about to put a whole ton of fucking collectibles on there like a oj simpson trial uh uh cameraman hat like one of the one of the abc news camera guys uh one of the, like the team hats that they made that'll be on there i have a, a a charles manson on the cover of rolling stone ashtray and lighter set yeah. that we're putting up there there'll be beanie babies all kinds of stuff ryan i've seen you know part of the collection he has seemingly like an endless amount of sort of this pop cultural pop culture uh, memorabilia so you know he's some of this is just like from your collection that you're selling off um and oh yeah it's, i mean I'm, I'm also you know we're, we're we're always actively looking for stuff because you know on our patreon patreon.com slash culture dumps if you're a top tier subscriber we do mail you something every month um so i'm always on the hunt for fun cool stuff well we're also going to put up a ton of woodstock 99 memorabilia up there so it, it is truly going to be the Culture Dump Superstore. So be sure to check that out. It's a cool way to, to, to help us out and kind of k- keep the dumps going, you know? Absolutely. And um, nice segue into the Patreon plug. And also yeah. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Woodstock 99. And uh, I know you got another little plug here for your yeah, own I mean, show. Yeah, we, we've been talking about it. Um, May 19th, uh, this will come out well before that. May 19th in Los Angeles at Whammy Analog Media, where we did our live Culture Dump show. We'll be doing a Podcast 99 event where we will be screening the mystery tape. It's about an hour's worth of never-before-aired Woodstock 99 footage. It is cut together as a as like a proper documentary, but this was never screened anywhere, never shown on television. It was sold from the newspaper that, that produced it uh, directly. So we will finally be showing the mystery tape. I might... 
stream that on our Instagram or something like as we're doing it. N nothing too, too fancy. You got to go, but tickets are on sale now. So check that out. Whammy analog media, uh, go to their website. That's how you'll get the tickets. Uh, you can also get them at the door. That's May 19th. I think around seven thirty, eight o'clock ish is, is, you know, show o'clock to get there. And we're also going to set up the artifact exhibit. So a whole Woodstock 99 museum. We have a uh, strong, uh, strong world comedy uh, that they're going to be doing like kind of an interactive thing. Basically it's going to be like you're at Woodstock 99. Essentially there's going to be peace patrol <laughs> officers walking around family information, you know, like w Woodstock 99 employees <laughs> milling about um, along with the museum. And then of course the screening. And I think uh, I'm also going to be doing a Q and a after the screening uh, with myself and then uh, Andy, one of our Woodstock 99 survivors. So you'll be able to, ask questions to someone that was really there and was sober. So he'll, he remembers quite a bit. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's be too really bad. Great. You won't be here. Uh, yeah, it is unfortunate. I won't be here uh, <laughs> for it. So hopefully you, I think you do need to try and film this one so I can, you know, yeah. Biggest regret so. of the year was not filming the culture dumps. Right, right, right. Uh, set. <laughs> we a little old well, school, but you know, we do podcasts at least. We, hey, I do something. I made a store, you know. Uh, all right, let, let, let's let's get into it. Today's dump is the Barbarian Brothers. If you're in the gym, right, yeah. and you're with your girlfriend, and some guy comes up to your girlfriend and slaps her in the face, are you going to look it down at the end of the uh, dumbbell row with this 10-pound dumbbell, or you're not going to think you're going to react to this situation, pick up the 200-pound dumbbell that's there and throw it in the guy's face? That's what you do that's when right. you're a barbarian. Uh, before we give you the proper intro, just real quick, the Barbarian Brothers were a, I want to call them a comedic duo because most of the stuff they did was kind of more leaning towards comedy, but they were in action movies and stuff. They were two twin brothers that were bodybuilders. This is late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, I mean, two identical twin, like kind of fucking like Guido, like, Hey, fucking bodybuilder types that dressed like the craziest heavy metal guys ever. <laughs> like, like it looks like they balled themselves up and then rolled through a department store and whatever got stuck to them is what they wear. <laughs> this is very like late eighties, the bodybuilder, just like the big muscles, the, the macho, the kind of humor of just the like, Doi, 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 kind of like <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's like because I didn't that, no that nailed it. I didn't know who they were, but once I watched some of it, I was like, I know exactly what this is. It, yes, it, 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 and mo and most people will. And the good part about the Barbarian Brothers is just about every video or or movie that we're gonna reference are they're all available on on YouTube, and we'll be putting them all up on our Patreon as well. So let's get into it. All right, here we go. Why are the Barbarian Brothers a dump? Well, the Barbarian Brothers, a.k.a. the Paul Brothers, are a dump because they represent both the peak and the valley of the bodybuilding movement that was prevalent in the mainstream from the 70s up until the early 90s. Everything about the duo was unconventional. Their appearance, training methods, personalities, and career path all set them apart not just from other bodybuilders, but all other pop culture icons as well. Unfortunately, the legend of the Barbarian Brothers has been lost due to the passage of time. But today on Culture Dumps, we're bringing back the Barbarian Brothers. <laughs> this is a weird one. I, I didn't even know really how to categorize them. 
uh, like in dump terms, but I guess we would file them under like Hervé or Bo Derek. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the icon. Yeah, it's. I mean, to me, Bo Derek feels more. I mean, I feel like Hervé. Well, she's and, definitely more famous than the Barbarian. Yeah, brothers. I feel like both of those. Because and maybe again, this is could be limited to just some of those like rewatch type of countdown pop culture moments. And I feel like I just wasn't I, I, these guys didn't show up to me on any of those sort of uh, retro or nostalgia type of shows that I would watch. Um, no, they're sub that. Dude. Yeah. And then and it also does. I mean, it's funny and it's a dump, but it also does just like this really in the late 80s, I feel like became really like a dime of dozen kind of just having big beefcake kind of because, you know, you had Stallone and Schwarzenegger. You had so right. many like action hero guys who also were like charismatic and could act. And then you and then you have the sub like the next generation. And it's like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the copy of the copy. The, yeah. Some of the I watched some of it and it's like it's funny, but it's like I mean, man, like Schwarzenegger is a really good actor, uh, when especially when you compare him to the Barbarian Brothers. You well, know look, you mean? have Conan the Barbarian, mm-hmm. and then you have the Barbarian Brothers, right? Okay, two yeah. films virtually about the same thing, virtually with the same leading man, except one is just doubled. Yeah, and one. I, I, it's just fucking crazy. Yeah, it, it, this is just the word. Again, it's the peak and the valley yeah. of the bodybuilding movement. And so, wait, did you know about these guys before this? I mean, before obviously the it was dump, your idea, yeah, but... Uh, no, I, I knew about them um, when I was through my old coworkers. They were like... Like someone brought in like a soundtrack to one of their films, Think Big, which we will be talking about at <laughs> yeah, length. Yeah. And uh, I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And they're like, oh, you don't know about the Barbarian Brothers? So he burnt me a copy of Twin Sitters. Like he like literally recorded, like burnt me a DVD of it, like from a VHS. Yeah. Like he has one of those, you know, archaic machines. And uh, it's like a cherished possession, even though now it's on YouTube. But I was like, Twin Sitters got me obsessed. So then I was like, I have to watch all of their movies. <laughs> and they're all pretty much the same. Like there's like a criminal. <laughs> element like there's usually some kind of toxic waste thing happening um and then they're always going to want to fuck the same chick yeah and the yeah. same chick wants to fuck them right and it's kind of and then you have the twins thing which um twins in cinema it's just like what what we can't get over twinema twinema you know there's always something twins. about yeah um man and then they're just but they have that the voice that is so like n- teenage mutant ninja turtle kind of like yeah just that like doofy voice that i i love like i watched one of their movies and i loved the way that they talk i was like this is kind oh well of- i got plenty of uh very long interviews i could send you um but you know <laughs> but also i gotta tell you folks uh this was not an easy dump to put together it like people don't give a shit about these guys like it was so hard to find like comprehensive information and we'll talk more about about that t- towards the end but uh yeah i had to like dig into like the sports illustrated archives from like 1984 <laughs> yeah, to like yeah. find like th- like the quintessential interview with them and like, yeah, they're very. It was very tough to lock all this down. So I'm quite proud of it. So let's get to it. The birth of the barbarians, the Titanic twin brothers that would later be known as the Barbarian Brothers, were born to Lenny and Teddy Paul on March 8th, 1957, in Hartford, Connecticut. Their names: Peter and David. 
Peter was born first, with David following three minutes after. The brothers would later tell reporters that they believed that their name tags may have been switched in the hospital. So Peter could really be David, and David could really be Peter. But when you're identical in just about every way, who fucking cares? <laughs> yeah. Like, they're a, they're so a he might be deal. fucking Peter, and I might be fucking David. Yeah. Also, yeah, the Italian, just the very biblical names, you know. Oh, totally. Dude, yeah, Dave, Peter Paul. David and Peter Paul, the Paul brothers. So technically, they're called the Paul brothers, and and we'll get into why they were called the Barbarian brothers, but like, there's you could reference them in either way, and you're talking about the same guys, and it's not uh, disrespectful. Um, also, what if they were like massive babies they just, when they came out? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of persona. It just it feels like they came out with the ripped t-shirts and huge They came muscles. out feet first, like yeah. they stepped out of their mom. And they're like, whoa, where am I? <laughs> like, <laughs> whoa, hello, nurse. Yeah, yeah. can I get some milk? <laughs> yeah, like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's it. And like, yeah, just like fucking, or like uh, the baby Hercules in the Disney movie, just like crazy strong, like my boy. That's what you would yeah, think, they, yeah. Lots of, lots of big baby jokes. Yeah. So, the twins were born into a loving family, complete with athlete parents and athlete older siblings, a brother and sister named Hap and Debbie, respectively. As children, the twins were a heaping double dose of trouble. They once said that they were late walkers, but early climbers. The two were always getting hurt due to their adventurous nature. In nursery school, Peter got himself yelled at by the teacher, and in an effort to defend his counterpart, David bit the teacher's leg, causing one half of the team to be expelled from the nursery school. <laughs> That's a tall fucking order to get kicked out of baby school. <laughs> I mean, all right, first of all, it just it's like a it's like a three stu it's the two stooges, right? It's like this is like an intro to a movie that they would star in. Yeah, everything they do is kind of feels like stooge level of just uh, of comedy. Yes. Yeah, like opening up a closet and just every piece of sporting equipment falls out. Like exactly. that's their life. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the two relished in their gnarliness. In kindergarten, during a show and tell, David proudly showed off his latest band of stitches he received on his hand after some kind of accident or another. And kindergarten was a particularly troublesome time for the boys. By this time, they were known by name at the local emergency room and had destroyed just about every piece of furniture in their parents' home. Uh, apparently, they, they, told, like, they told reporters that like, if they were in high chairs next to each other, they would like, like, grab onto each other's high chair and like, push each other over. And then, like, they would just, like, smash their baby heads. And then, like, or, or they would, like, literally saw off legs of chairs. Like, they would get a saw from the garage when they were, like, four and just, like, start sawing shit. And they would, like, they're like, and there was nothing we couldn't take apart with a screwdriver. And I was like, like, most shit can be taken apart with a screwdriver, first of all. <laughs> okay. But, like, just, yeah, just terrors. Yeah. Terrors. Mm -hmm. But they're not big yet. That's the thing. Eventually, the two boys were diagnosed as hyperactive, no shit, and had to be placed in separate classes. When the brothers reached first grade, they were both diagnosed as dyslexic and were placed in special classes at their schools. David was sent to a private Catholic school while Peter stayed in public school. And they said that they were bullied a little bit uh, as they grew up, but like as they started getting bigger and like kind of figuring out that they were like these kind of beefcakey, you know, jock type dudes, they would take it upon themselves to stop bullies at their school. Like if they saw like a nerd getting picked on, they'd be like, why don't you pick on someone your own size? Like classic <laughs> shit. Like everything about them Every is fucking classic. dude. Oh my God. And I just like the idea of like coming into like sort of finding yourself and you're like, I'm going to be a beefcake. 
Like that's <laughs> that's your career. I mean, that's the what's so eighties about it is like that's my calling in life is to just have a lot of muscles. So what do you think you want to do when you when you grow up? Uh, just keep growing. <laughs> just, like, just keep, grow. Never like, stop. Up out. the paul brothers were reunited in middle school which started in sixth grade they became enamored with wrestling and football even at such a young age they were considered big in stature in fact peter claims that in eighth grade he had to lose 10 pounds to be accepted into the football program in order to do this he lived off of a diet of ice cubes and celery for months (laughs) <laughs> what? So, like dude you're too big to play with the other kids like you need to lose 10 pounds in eighth grade because you will decimate these other children Damn. like just big on their own along with football and wrestling the brothers also developed an insatiable appetite for pumping iron at the age of 15 david was bench pressing an impressive 300 pounds which according to the brothers must have been some kind of world record at the time <laughs> as they began to work out harder and harder their bodies began to distort in shape and the framework for their eventual monster physiques was in place it, it's like so they started young and again pumping iron it, it was such a big thing because of the documentary and we'll talk a little bit more about that soon but like bodybuilding for the sake of just getting buff that really wasn't a mainstream thing and it was starting to be part of sports especially with the dawn of like you know professional wrestling blowing up you start seeing these like celebrities on late night shows that are gigantic that hadn't been a thing before Mm -hmm. so they want to emulate that but essentially they're just like two terrifying monster teens you know like (laughs) sounds like i'm describing the menendez brothers but this is like way more fun uh or or they're like the monsters from space jam (laughs) that's kind of what they look like for real. Like the whole family sitting around eating and then at the end of the table there's just two twins like hulking over the table just like <laughs> or like uh <laughs> picking up the table and just like tipping it all into your mouth is kind of like, the mouth. <laughs> which I feel like it happened in one of the movies I saw. It happened in Twin Sinners. Yeah, yeah. No, but he, it's cuz he's pissed so he's like oh, and like shakes all the food off. Yeah. Oh, but then he realizes that he had a chair glued to his butt. See, that's the kind of cinematic genius that you get from Barbarian Brothers films, folks. And we're not even there yet. We, we, they haven't even left the, the fucking nest. Yeah. So the Barbarians attended a slew of colleges. I know, surprising. Five in total. <laughs> I guess that's not so surprising because they didn't stay at one for that long. But David had gone all state as a middle guard in football in 1974. And the following year, both brothers went all New England in wrestling. But their focus began to shift more towards bodybuilding, so the two dropped out of school with dreams of owning their own gym. And again, the documentary Pumping Iron came out in 1977. It's about Mr. Universe and the two guys that are poised to win. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno. Uh, Lou Ferrigno, of course, was uh, went on to play the Hulk on the t- TV series. Arnold Schwarzenegger went on to be the governor of California. Uh, <laughs> a little throwback to uh, another dump. Gubernatorial. But it was hugely influential. Uh, I mean, for bodybuilders and beefheads everywhere. It brought the underground world of bodybuilding to the masses. And it was kind of like a pageant circuit like for like dudes. And a lot of ways that the bodybuilders actually made money besides competition was like side modeling like privately <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was like a very sketchy business with drugs and sex and steroids and all that and just yeah. like these big heaving guys with a a dude with like the bucket hat with a card in it and like a cigar just like sitting in the back staring at these guys these greased up dudes you know i gotta say one time uh i worked an event at a, at a music venue that was like a bodybuilding pageant and what was interesting is that every and almost everyone who had an opportunity to speak kind of talked about how they were like at one point like 
addicted to drugs and how bodybuilding was sort of their new addiction. Um, yeah. But it got, it got <laughs> way deeper than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and I was it was pretty interesting to see, you know, it's yeah, it's like if this is something that's going to help you from being a meth addict or something, then get sure. big, get all big, get swollen up. Yeah. Well, I watched the documentary because like I, this led me down this like fucking beefcake path, the the path to you know beef beefcakes. But um, I th I think it was called like Big Rexi Bigorexia, or Big Mor or like Giant Morphia something. It's about the body dysmorphia that bodybuilders have, where like no matter like once you start like no matter how big you get, you're never big enough. Mm -hmm. And like you start like like they a lot of them get plastic surgery and like mm -hmm. all kinds of weird. There's a, a weird cycle at like psychoanalytical aspect to bodybuilding that really it, it's a it's a very strange world um obviously we're talking yeah. about two twin brothers that did right it, i can know? see that because there's like getting healthy getting being fit and then there's once you've reached that just the muscle groups everywhere it's you know it seems like you kind of have crossed over into this threshold because you're also spending so much time at the gym and then you're changing your life you know you're kind of watching your diet you're taking all these weird powders possibly right. taking that is unless you're the fucking barbarian brothers because as we'll learn they didn't give a shit about any of that and it's that's what makes them to me like worth talking because if they just did the silly movies it, it wouldn't be a thing. It's like, this is kind of like a sports dump. Cause we're talking, we get to talk about the world of bodybuilding a little bit and the difference between them versus say a Schwarzenegger or a Ferrigno or like any of the guys that are going to be Mr. Olympia or Mr. Mr. Universe or whatever. Uh, these dudes never had a shot at that. They didn't want it. Uh, it's, it's really fascinating. So, David and Peter opened up P and D's house of iron and <laughs> I'm probably going to fuck this one up. Narragansett, Rhode Island Narragansett. in 1977. Have you ever had? Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever had Narragansett beer? I, I don't know. Maybe I feel like it's, <laughs> I don't know. At least in Georgia, it feels like it's replaced PBR as like the go-to like cheap beer now. No, oh, um, well, I mean, if if barbarian barbarian brothers, if they drink it, I'll drink it. You know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's makes you big. That's and where strong. I'm at now with them. I'm such a fan, mega fan, buff fan. The bare bones gym was furnished with mirrors from the local university's men's room, so they would literally just take off the wall. Uh, <laughs> though the two were trying to make their way as legitimate business barbarians, their old habits died hard, and the brothers were constantly the target of local police who regularly stopped them for reckless driving and general mischievous behavior, probably like pushing each other over in their big high chairs or uh, <laughs> sawing the legs off of their parents' furniture still. You know, or maybe stealing the mirrors out of a university gym bathroom to put in their shitty P&D's house of iron. I feel like they would take like a one-way street sign and like lift it up and then turn it the opposite <laughs> way. Oh, you thirsty? And they just like pull off a fucking fire, like fire hydrant. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's their life, dude. And the gym was a total piece of shit by all accounts, but it totally symbolized the brother's fitness philosophy, which was just lift heavy shit as much as possible and you will get big. It was essentially like two alcoholics opening up a bar that only had two chairs and some bottles of alcohol. That's pretty like, much like, all I look, want. Look, it's a bar. a bar. You come to a bar to get drunk. All you need are chairs to sit in and booze to drink. <laughs> That's how they're like, all you need in a gym is something to sit on and heavy shit to lift and maybe a stolen mirror. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, all that, that's it like it's it's fucking awesome though it's like i love how raw this well, shit is like, and how stinky it is yeah. like, i can smell it 
it's like those like those like junkyard like a backyard gym right where but the dude yeah inside yeah yeah or like (laughs) yeah but you know what i mean like just sometimes there's that it's just like a bench but then the guy who's using it is just completely jacked yeah exactly now as the twins muscles bulged more and more so did the concern of their family who saw the boys (laughs) going nowhere fast albeit going nowhere buff as fuck (laughs) Peter and David said their family gave them somewhat of an intervention, pleading with the brothers to seek out some kind of profession and get their life on track, but the brothers had already made up their mind as to what their future would be. They were going to be rock star bodybuilders in California, but not in the competitive sense like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Lou Ferrigno. They were going to do it their own way, whatever that might mean. And apparently their parents were fucking pissed, which is also kind of silly because it's like, dude, they did open up a business. Like a gym is is a legitimate business. They were just bad at it, but like they did have the right idea, you know. But uh, I guess the the parents are all pissed telling them like, you can't go do, oh, you're just going to move to California and just be famous for being buff. And one of the brothers said, look, when we're on TV and they ask us if our parents supported us, what do you want us to say that you guys never believed in us or that you were there for us the whole time? And the dad, I guess just said, just tell them the truth. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just fucking defeated. I will say it is funny because, uh, and I kind of hate what I'm going to say, but I'll say it anyway. It's like, it's kind of like a proto influencer. Uh, of just, we're going to, I'm just going to focus on this one thing and I'll make money and get fame doing it. I'll, I'll figure it out. It's not like I have to have some sort of a job with it because there's essentially so many like fitness influencers now. And it's not that you even have to cross over into movies, which they do, but it's not that you have to cross over anything. You just like, just stay being fit and yeah you know and granted yes there was also the bodybuilding community before them but it's like you know it's like you don't even have to do competitions no 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 that that's the thing well and as we'll see uh neither did our our boys yeah so it was settled the barbarians set their sights west and in may of 1979 they moved to california first stop venice beach which at the time was the bodybuilding capital of the world nowadays if you go to venice beach it's a capital for all kinds of fucked up shit but <laughs> back then like the i like cue the montage of thong bikini roller skaters ice cream cones street performers and the infamous muscle beach right. outdoor gym with just like fucking titans just slamming shit down and like girls like giggling like hee and like fucking maybe like the beach boys are playing over somewhere, you know, there's French fries and Coca-Cola in the air. It, it, it's that shit. Like a hundred, again, like the, the thong bikini roller skaters with an ice cream cone, like that is Venice beach at this period of time. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And also they only moved out with $90 and all of their belongings were wrapped in a sheet that was held together with stereo cables. Like they just pulled the cables out of their stereos cause they needed something to tie off <laughs> yeah. this fucking sheet with all of their shit in it. Uh, and they were given a free gym membership based on their personalities and appearance alone. Cause they were like, dude, if we have guys like you working out here, all the time, then everyone's going to want to come work out here to be like these guys. Exactly. Cause they fucking stood the fuck out. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it's already like being an influencer, you know, you yeah. just like get free shit and promote it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it was a Gold's Gym. Uh, yeah, so that was their second home, Gold's Gym, which is world famous. They quickly stood out, you know, from just about everyone else at the gym uh, for their training style, their size, their fashion sense, their humor, and the fact that they were fucking twins. All right. Like, the, 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 that's first and foremost here. Okay? We love our twins. Same haircuts, same everything. And it would be at Gold's Gym, uh, you know, it, it, during those years. That's what would push the brothers into the limelight. This next section uh, I titled 36 fucking eggs a day each. Uh, and there's a reason for that. So bodybuilding involves as much planning as it does pumping. Professional award-winning bodybuilders often have their routine down to a T, carefully calculating the impact of every calorie consumed. Their exercise regimens are specifically crafted to focus on each and every muscle in an attempt to reach competition standards. The Paul brothers did not give a shit about any of that. Once deemed the Cheech and Chong of bodybuilding, the brothers approached weights with a completely different mindset than their colleagues. The goal was not to target exact muscles for exact results, but instead to assault their entire body as long and as hard as possible with the intent being to just get huge. And they called their style of working out barbarian style. Ooh, that sounds like, so thank you for explaining bodybuilding to me because i feel like it's something neither of us know how to do um <laughs> oh no oh dude but, well see here's the thing my dad loved bodybuilding like when i was a little kid like if i wanted something he'd be like say it and i'd have to be like you're the best dad in the world you're the buffest guy in the universe and you're my role model that was like our cute like <laughs> father son like joke thing and like he would and he would always yeah. like flex he'd be like check out the pythons and like he'd be like flexing and shit now my dad is more of a body groundskeeper that just like shoes away teenagers from like spray painting dicks on the walls of this abandoned <laughs> decrepit building that he still has to maintain <laughs> body groundskeeper yeah um, there's no more building going on just just maintenance damn. like straight up but yeah dude i didn't know anything about this i watched pumping iron i watched all this stuff um but really the the sports illustrated article that i got a lot of this early info from uh it's just a fucking entertaining read because the guys writing it like these guys are nuts this is insane like, I don't even know how I'm in the same room with them. Like, this is these like, what the fuck? How are these guys not dead <laughs> kind of a thing? So it's like it's it's almost like gonzo journalism, but in mm -hmm. Sports Illustrated. So it's a really, really cool article. Yeah. But yeah, barbarian style. That's so, there's a couple yeah. different versions of how they got the name. Some say it was coined uh, describing their style of working out. But other guys or other people say that it came from dudes at the gym, like watching them being like, those guys are fucking barbaric. And then some claim that the godfather of bodybuilding, Joe Weider, Weider gave them the name. Uh, but their original nickname was the Lumberjacks because they wore huge work boots when they like when they would work out at the gym, like with like a couple Sick. pairs of socks, like scrunched down. So you could see like, oh, they got a white sock, a red sock and a blue sock. And they're all scrunched and like their laces are hanging out like their shoes aren't they're wearing just like boots. And then, like, their street clothes. We'll talk at length about their clothes. They uh, just, yeah, they could have been in, like, a grunge band or, like, a metalcore band. Um, totally. They could have been in Faith No More. That's yeah, how they dress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's exactly how they look. Barbarian, great word. It's a really cool word. Uh, we've said it enough where it's starting to lose its meaning a little bit in this instance. But as a general rule, I love the word barbarian. Barbaric, also a great oh, word. Great. Uh, I would like my nachos barbarian style. I don't know what that means, but that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it means. Well, let's break down barbarian style. So most bodybuilders and people exercising in general count repetitions and break their workout into sets. 
but not our boys. The Barbarian Brothers did not believe in sets. They believed in maxing out. This meant, rather than counting exact repetitions, they would just rock it until they couldn't stand. They believed that there was a spiritual aspect to pumping iron, and by counting, you were placing obstacles in your path to swollness. Sometimes, this would amount to over an hour of continuous repetitions until they would let out a huge growl or scream and then collapse, often pushing each other to the limit by smacking each other in the face, putting their stinky boots in each other's faces, almost like now with those smelling salts that they use <laughs> yeah. for working out, like where you just like smell something awful and you're like, fuck, and you just keep going. Right. They would do that with their lumberjack boots. That they would wear out and then also work out in, by the way. Um, and then uh, the other thing they would do is they would just like get in each other's faces, like nose to nose, and scream as loud as they could in a public gym <laughs> while everyone's around, okay? They also had tons of other unconventional methods. This is like why Planet Fitness had to um, make the no judgment zone. <laughs> well, dude, good luck judging the Barbarian Brothers. They'll <laughs> pop your fucking head like a pimple, dude. Damn. Well, okay. I do know a little bit about working out. I know that w maxing out is a very important part of get like getting muscle mass gains. Your gains, because that's when you. It's that last little bit when your muscles break down that you have to try and do one more rep. So. It obviously right. worked for them, you know? Well, and Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about the pump and, and pumping iron, where the pump is like <laughs> when it feels like your skin's going to fucking explode mm -hmm. yeah. and like you can't take it anymore. Like that's the whole thing. But they would also like, so they would kind of uh, gain in like an audience at the gym. Like people would show up or stick around when they walked in. They're like, oh, you got to see these guys. They're fucking insane. They're barbarians. And, uh, they would do stuff like, I guess this is apparently really, really difficult. Again, I'm not the one to ask about this kind of stuff. But uh, they would attempt and succeed at doing reverse grip bench presses and front squats with upwards of 500 pounds of weight just to see if they could do it. And they would. And their screams filled the gym, which they usually were at for 10 hours a day. Whoa. Like they, they would work out for like several hours, go off, do whatever, come back and work out again. And if they could fit it, another workout somewhere in there. So they're just constantly there making no money, by the way. <laughs> so it's just the only like, it, but we'll talk about how they, how they paid for stuff. So besides the screaming and potentially dangerous training methods, the barbarian brothers attracted attention with their clothing as well. This is my favorite part. While most pro bodybuilders wore traditional workout gear or even the competition standard spandex, the barbarians would just wear their street clothes, which not only added a level of difficulty to their workouts, but also made them look insane. You see, the Barbarians adopted a style that was completely unique to them. It was a combination of comfort and confusion. In what, to Culture Dumps is a legendary Sports Illustrated article, the one I mentioned, one of the brothers was described, this is during a workout, okay? Like, maybe his second workout of the day. He was wearing this shit during the first workout, and he's going to wear it during the third. He was wearing a uh, sweatpants tucked into white cowboy boots with a sweat-soaked flannel shirt topped with a bandana tied around his head with an undersized trucker hat barely sitting on top, much <laughs> like the proverbial cherry on top. And he's doing these insane yeah. reps. Yeah. And then, and then they, they would keep all their clothes in trash bags. So like, like in, in a car, so if they didn't like, you know, if they're, oh, we're going out to dinner, I better uh, change my shirt. They just, oh, pop the trunk and whatever was dry from the night before, that's what would go on. And sometimes they're just like, they would just take their shirts off, wring them out and put them back on. And that's like what they're going out to wear. Damn. Or they'd wear like overalls with like a top hat. 
or fucking like yeah cowboy boots you know yeah. like in the gym and they're fucking huge their necks were like two feet it's like they had like a 25 inch around neck dude like i mean they're massive alien motherfuckers and they're dressed insane the um, like if you, the, it looks weird if you see them in normal clothes yeah i mean some of the outfits uh i mean it's they you know they've got their shoulders ex- i mean it's essentially like a crop top that like a hot girl would wear and they're wearing or them. like or like the like rock and roll mom yeah the bandana especially in twin sitters there's one outfit in particular where i'm like you look like a middle-aged very confident lesbian woman <laughs> the the bandana around the head was such a like the, the brett michaels bandana that's what it makes me think of uh yeah and that was totally. a strong uh 80s move uh but you, uh, yeah you had to i mean you had to have a lot of confidence to pull it off as these guys did uh if if you're fucking almost 300 pounds of hulking muscle, I don't think anyone's going to make fun of you because your hat is too small on your head that is made of muscle. <laughs> like, that's why the hat didn't fit. Cause, like, you just had to place it on top because <laughs> there's not enough snaps, dude. So let's get to the next portion here. In bodybuilding, diet is considered just as important as the iron pumping. Many bodybuilders follow a routine based on nutritional calculations that supply their bodies with the exact amount of calories and nutrients they need to achieve their individualized goal. The Barbarian Brothers went the other way. Their diet strategy was just to pile in food and then pile on weights. At their pre-celebrity peak, the brothers were eating 36 eggs a day each, with a dozen soft-boiled eggs being thrown into a mixture of milk and ice cream to be slammed in one go. Repeat that three times a day. It also wasn't (laughs) uncommon to see the brothers scarfing down packs and packs of hostess cupcakes in between sets at the gym like hey like instead of a power bar like hey you got you got anything to eat it's just like yeah yeah some twinkies some fucking cupcakes all right eat 12 of them and then just start pumping oh my god and they would get really sick apparently after doing the eggs like eggs was a big thing like i you know i I feel like a lot of people got into that after seeing pumping iron or even rocky like the raw egg you know in the blender Mm -hmm. kind of a deal or just in a glass but they would eat again 12 at a time so they would have to lay down just like on their backs until the puke feeling passed. And then they're like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Again, I'm oh, sure these guys threw up a, a shit. Actually, I know for a fact they did because I have a story about that. Um, they consumed an average of 7,000 calories a day. And at night, they would just binge on junk food. But they managed to maintain 6% body fat. It's just unreal shit. They also claimed at the time that they didn't do steroids and that steroids were for people who don't want to train hard. That later came out as being total bullshit. Uh, and that's part of this whole, this has been this thread of bodybuilders of denying steroid use. Uh, our boy Liver King, who, gosh, didn't that feel like such a long time oh, yeah. ago? That the the Liver King, who at this point, like the way shit is with culture, like he, this has happened long enough where people might not know who the Liver King is anymore. Like, unless you're a weirdo like us. I mean, he was very popular, and he was just... He's a dump. He was everywhere for a second, and then it... Okay, late 2022. This wasn't even that long ago. It feels like no. such a long time ago. And he... um, Yeah, his whole thing was these ancestral tenants, and like that... <laughs> and that, it was like... Yeah, just eating raw shit. Eating raw liver is how he got so ripped, and of course... It was testicles, kinda, too. He, he was, was really big on eating dicks and testicles. Yeah. Um, but he, also, there's a great, like, um, melding of, like, 
uh, future dumps because like influencer culture has so many dumps, but it's just too fresh. Like Liver King, you know, I mean, if we're doing a Barbarian Brothers episode, 100% we could do a Liver King one. But another future dump is Hasbula. And there's this, uh, the, you know, the the very little person yeah. the thing where he looks like he's like three, but he's in his 20s. Right, right. Um, he's super famous. Um, but he, uh, Liver King saw him and was like, oh, let's get a picture. It's like this famous, like viral video and Hasbula like looks all pissed and he walks away and in Russian he says, I'd rather take a picture with a dog. Oh man. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, but yeah, Liver King got outed for writing. Yeah. He, he, his whole thing was saying that he wasn't taking any steroids. He was just living this ancestral natural life. And then it found out he was taking like $10,000 worth of steroids a month. Which Insane. is, you know, well, back to the eggs. The problem with eating 36 eggs a day is that it adds up. The brothers came to California with some money, but generally every penny they had went into their lifestyle. The two would pick up odd jobs here and there and manage to rent a small rundown Ocean Avenue apartment, which they would eventually completely destroy. Uh, the landlord, I guess, refused to fix their shower, which was just like dripping. So one of them again, something out of one of their fucking movies just goes and grabs the shower head. He's like, I'll fix it. And just tears the plumbing out of the wall, like breaking through all the <laughs> tile and everything. And then water starts spurting and they're like, well, it's better than nothing. Um, oh my God. Also that apartment was across from the Pritikin longevity center, which I guess was like a very late seventies, early eighties, like, um, new new age kind of exercise and diet clinic it was very really famous it was a very like california hollywood showbiz kind of thing like oh you got to go to the longevity center and so the brothers would wake up in the morning and they would troll all the morning joggers from the center and that center thing was like not getting big and bulky it was losing weight and being slim and slender <laughs> and so they would like hang off of their balcony after eating all their eggs and be like, Hey guys, check this out. Blah! And just like puke everywhere. <laughs> or like so they would line up all the uh, people from the longevity center and like have them press against the building, like doing like the isometric kind of just like, yeah, just press on the building as hard as you can. And they'd be like, don't worry guys, we got this. And then like act like they were going to push the building over just like hijinks, you know, but throwing up in front of them was really the funniest <laughs> they're one. They're full of hijinks. And yeah, they would just tease the fucking shit out of them. Oh man. These guys, yeah, but I, yeah, and again, their apartment just had to be god awful. It reminds me, like, have you ever seen uh, Steve O on MTV Cribs? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's such a legendary <laughs> Cribs. Everything's crusty, like, there's just cans everywhere, everything's nothing works, everything's broken. Like, even the sugar packets that you would use to level out your table are broken, yeah, like, everything's like broken, crusty, yeah. So, and uh, Knoxville is there, and he just hates it. You can t yeah, it's, a, it's such a <laughs> real, disgusting. it's a very real cribs. It's one of the most Absolutely. real cribs there is. Yeah, it's one of the best. It's up there with Redman's. Yeah. So, <laughs> after exhausting every squatter's law possible, the brothers were kicked out of their apartment. They found refuge on the floors of friends and girlfriends' apartments. They had also acquired a big ass dog, a Newfoundland named Chang, who would accompany them to the gym, or he would stay at a friend's house while the barbarians were in between places. But this gigantic dog was with them almost all the time. Uh, they also didn't have a car most of the time. They wrecked every car that they ever owned and the ones that they would borrow, so soon they relied on rental cars. But after wrecking a few of those, they relied on borrowed rental cars. So, okay, and, real quick. <laughs> like, I mean, are they are they drinking or doing drugs? I think when you're that big, like it's like, just like I just tried to open up the door, boss, and you're like holding <laughs> on to the car door. Then, <laughs> yeah, it's just like you turn the steering wheel 
slightly and, and you hey do you need this yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> i'm telling you their life is one of the movies that they live or made dude oh. and, but what's dude this is gonna make you fucking laugh what what what's even funnier is when they came out to california dude they rode a motorcycle together <laughs> <laughs> what two fucking massive twins on one motorcycle dude damn it, this really it does feel like you know social media era just like Everything they do would, you know, if they had an Instagram, would just be like oh my blowing God. up. It would be my dream to if <laughs> Barbarian Brothers in their prime had an Instagram. Yeah. Like, but they had to have like one together. Right. Like, you know what? The For only sure. other famous twins, really, I mean, besides like the Olsen twins, uh, you have like the ATL the twins. ATL twins. You know, and it was, yeah. that was the same thing because it's like, but they didn't even do shit and people loved them. No. Like, what was their. I could never even understand. Their like, thing was that they looked like pill dealers. Yeah. <laughs> that was their thing. <laughs> yeah. And then they were in Spring Breakers, and that kind of like gave them cred or something. Yeah, but, that was it, though. Uh, also, it would take them several minutes to get in or out of cars. Uh, so eventually, <laughs> when th once they had money, they resorted to getting like monster trucks or like Hummers, like just giant novelty vehicles, strictly out of necessity. They're giant like, novelty like, people. It, so yeah, Can you imagine like, okay, one when I was reading the Sports Illustrated article, one of their girlfriends, who was 17, by the way, when they were in like their mid-20s, when the article was written, I was like, eh, kind of sketchy. And also like this like frail young girl with like just this fucking behemoth gorilla man but um like she had the car so she's in the driver's seat david or, or peter whichever one of them wh whose girlfriend it was he's like all right you hop in the back and they fold the seat and the other one has to figure out how to like Man. get past the folded down seat and finally it's like oh, and then chang the dog and then and then the other one has to get in it so it's just like you're packed and then the journalist said that they got in the car with them and within seconds of the door being shut the whole car steamed up from the inside because they were so sweaty because <laughs> yeah, they just leave the gym and whatever they're wearing and they're like so we get dinner or what holy <laughs> like, shit I it uh, would of, suck to date them. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, yeah, especially because you're probably on the hook for both of them. So, <laughs> despite their bizarre, humble beginnings, things are about to go big for the barbarians. Real big. See, ever since the release of Pumping Iron, weightlifting became a mainstream fascination for millions of American men and women. Fitness magazines saw a huge spike in sales, and the Pauls were in the right place at the right time in the right outfits. The brothers began modeling for some lesser-known publications and soon found themselves at the center of articles in major publications like Playgirl and Sports Illustrated. It was through their magazine appearances that the brothers were introduced to the world of show business. Now, they would go out to auditions together, and usually they would audition each for the same role, but David would usually get the parts. He was a little bit easier to manage personality-wise. Uh, he played Animal in an episode of The Happy Days. Uh, <laughs> he did some sketch work with Michael Richards. Um, the duo also appeared in DC Cab, an amazing movie. If you've never seen that, DC Cab. Uh, that was in 1983. Uh, and they were in an episode of Knight Rider in 1984, the film The Flamingo Kid in 1984, and some other bit parts here and there. But it's about to go, it's about to go huge. Some enterprising Hollywood types realized the untapped potential of the Barbarian Brothers. There were plenty of bodybuilders trying to break into films, but there were no other twin bodybuilders trying to do it. And this brings us to the 1987 film The Barbarians. Now... This was playing off of the Conan fascination, the He-Man. Like, there was a kind of a big uh, fantasy revisiting a, in the 80s. Yeah. I watched. Like, princesses and stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, there's this really weird one I watched. Tom Cruise did one called Legend. Oh, oh yeah, with Tim Curry as the fucking demon. Yeah, um, and it seems like everyone kind of had yeah to do like a little fantasy movie in the 80s. You know, Kate Bush yeah. was big at the time, so... <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, you do the math. Yeah. Um, this film, The Barbarians, it was directed. I'm gonna fuck this name up, but Rogero uh, Diodato, but he was the director of Cannibal Holocaust. So uh, that lets you know that you should check it out. Um, yeah. The brothers they brought their own vision to this film too. They made it silly because according to David, they were like, okay, this script, it like, it's it's a good movie. There's a lot of money going into it. The sets look good. The costumes, the effects, all that stuff kind of like was up to par. But instead of taking the time to write this script where they speak in like an old kind of old timey way, it's just written like present day English. So they started like doing it like doofy, like on yeah, purpose. Right. And like they kind of made what was supposed to be this like serious movie about these two identical twins that were part of this peaceful band of merry pranksters essentially that were um bestowed this special gem. I this is going to don't lose me here. They they <laughs> they had a special gem that allowed their their group or whatever to just be peaceful. No one could fuck with them. They brought peace and, and everyone they were neutral. You, you don't fuck with them. But some evil guy wants that gem. The brothers get separated. They are they're raised separate. They don't know their twins until one day they're made to fight each other and then they take off their helmets and they're like, "Huh?" and they realize Ooh. that they're twins. And it's like, it's me, you doofus. Yeah, and like, which mean, is really weird to see two barbarians like Conan style say that. Um, will, they end up falling in love with the same girl and they defeat evil. Yeah. I mean, the one movie I watched, I will say that the plot is absolutely not essential to your viewing experience. Uh, no, <laughs> no. But it's just <laughs> it's about kind of watching what's what's happening, you know? It's just yeah. watching well, no, them. The, the, the biggest thing, by, why you would want to watch a Barbarian Brothers movie. Well, and also, by the way, um, it is interesting that they dubbed their style of working out Barbarians because they were in this film, The Barbarians. And that's why everyone started referring to them as the Barbarian Brothers on a mainstream level, like mm -hmm. not just within the world of like buff guys, you know, in Venice Beach. Like now they were known as the Barbarian Brothers, even though the film was just called The Barbarians. That's my little nerd, like comic book store guy. Like, oh, but actually, uh, the film was called The Barbarians. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but David said that he got hurt the very first day because they insisted on doing their own stunts, and for the rest of the filming, he had a fucking jacked up fucking foot and, and leg, and like so he's like he's kind of limping most of the movie. Um, and he talks about it like it was amazing. He's like, oh, it had one of the best soundtracks in cinema history. It's just a shame more people didn't see it, uh, but it did do well in Europe and Asia, not so much in America, but. Their reputation as B-movie idols was cemented. Mm. So the 80s would see a couple more Barbarian Brothers films, along with a stack of television appearances, not just in the USA, but all around the world. The duo starred in the made-for-TV film The Road Raiders, as well as their own cinematic vehicle, Think Big, not to mention an episode of Ghost Rider. The boys were professionally known as the Paul Brothers, but of course, everyone just knew them now as the Barbarian Brothers. Dude, Think Big. Okay. Think Big is uh, probably second best to Twin Sitters, which we're, we're about to talk about. And they play twin brothers that are uh, cross-country truck drivers, and they have to transport this like illegal shipment of toxic waste. They don't yeah. know that they're carrying such heavy cargo. So, of course, you have people like 
trying to infiltrate and get the chemicals to make weapons with and like organize crime scene. They have to thwart it themselves. And then randomly there's like a teenage girl that stows away in their cab. And like when they're on the road, they're like, what's that noise? And she's like, I just needed a ride. I knew you guys wouldn't. So they're like, okay kid. And like kind of rub her on the head and like, like it dude. But the best part about it is they also tried to integrate a music career in that film. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, it was called Think Big. It was their first song. It's a rap song. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we, in Japan, these guys were fucking mega famous. There's <laughs> such a thing that would be huge in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, in the eighties and they appeared. Uh, so one of the villains um, is the guy that played Jaws in uh, James Bond um, Moonraker. Oh, yeah. And he was also yes. in uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Like he's the one, like the big guy that has the shirt that says guns don't kill people. I do. Oh, fuck. I was watching this video. What is his name? He's a legend. Um, I know people Richard, are like, it's fucking blah, blah, blah. Richard Keel. Richard Keel. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's in Think Big, and they're like, oh, well, we, these guys are big. We need to bring in someone big to defeat them. So, But that guy traveled with them to Japan to do this talk show where they're going to perform their song, and this is the clip of them doing their rap song, and Keel jumps in on the chorus on it, which is fucking, it's just depraved. <laughs> Like an eagle, you want to be the best. You got to be yourself, then I follow all the rest. You got to have determination if you want to reach the stars. You got to have tunnel vision if you want to go far. Hard and never say no. Rome wasn't built in a day. It went real slow. They rap the way they look. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like they sound the way they're they dress, dude. <laughs> if you wanna be big, talk to me. Like it's like that, dude. It's just <laughs> um, this is again. I mean, we you know we'll post the video on our Patreon. I mean. It's you got to watch it, too, because then it yeah, it really is like perfect Japanese TV show where you're just like, what the hell is going on? Like, and it's just kind of, and like, obviously, in the movie, they had him them, you know, fighting Richard Keel. But it's just kind of the hilarity of just like, we need these big guys over here. And then, like, let's get some other big guys. And it'll just be yeah, like, this big guy, too. You know, like yeah. just a bunch of big, a big guy convention. What? And all their TV appearances, they have them lift weights for a little bit. Like he, they go on Regis, and and like with their dog, they're on they're on like like there's a Regis Filmin interview with them, and he's like, "Sorry, you guys gonna show me how to do this?" And of course, he like can't lift like a single one of the dumbbells. Right, and they're just right. like like they would curl like like hundred pound, three hundred pound dumbbells like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Like and so Regis like, oh geez, and like they'd pick him up while he's holding the dumbbell kind of shit, like just all the cliches think, of a really big think guy. big though. Uh, it did have some other uh, ca- or uh, actors. Uh, David Carradine was in. Oh it. yeah, and uh, and uh, Tommy Lister, who was uh, Tommy Lister Jr., who was Debo. Oh, Friday. that's right, dude. Yeah, when I was watching Think Big, <laughs> I was like, oh fuck, Debo. But yeah, also David Carradine is in like a couple of their movies, dude. <laughs> Like I think he's also in Double Trouble. <laughs> like <laughs> nice. he's like fuck these guys again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> God man. damn it! Like th- wait, this isn't the same David and Peter Paul that was in Think Big, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, all right, as their career continued, the Barbarian Brothers found a home in the straight-to-video market. 
1992, their film Double Trouble was released. This film, like most of their work, is centered around the fact that they're twins, buff, and kind of dumb. They also always have the same love interest in their films. And they had a cameo, by the way, this is actually pretty cool, in uh, 1994's Natural Born Killers, the Oliver Stone mm. film. Uh, they're in a scene where I think they're the ones like that are killing Robert Downey Jr.'s character in the prison, like at the end of the oh, big riot scene, but okay. it got cut from the final edit. Oh, but if okay. you have the DVD, you can watch on special features. Mm. Yeah. So uh, let, let's see. In 1994, though, the, the same year Natural Born Killers came out when they were cut, that was the year that they unleashed their best work, and that was the film <laughs> Twin Sitters. <laughs> best. Yeah. This, this is the one I saw, so I guess, you know, maybe I'm a Fairweather fan, um, but I did watch this one, and it was... It was pretty great. I will say um, it's better than uh, some David Lynch movies. Uh, it kind of, <laughs> it was kind of like a an actual David Lynch movie. It's a fever dream. Uh, for sure. Yeah, it's like this is what Lynch is like trying to do, and this, but they're just doing it. <laughs> uh, so I thought I thought you know another thing that you mentioned is like they always had this love interest and there's this potentially like weird thing about the fact that you know like two twins wanting to you know you know having a love yeah. in the same but twin sitters was also very kid friendly um are the well, other movies yeah, so like that because it, it was a kid's movie i mean yeah. so twin sitters is about two twin buff fucking brothers <laughs> that work at an italian restaurant and their dream is to own their own restaurant one day and they're in the park one day. They can't get alone. They're down on their luck. And uh, there's these kids playing, I guess, in, in the park. And uh, or, no, I, there's some kind of weird fucking espionage fucking, <laughs> we, yeah, like, it, or, I can't even explain it, dude. It Organized matter. crime ship. Basically, they save the day. The rich guy that they end up defending is like, you guys should be the bodyguards for my twin nephews while I'm out on business because the mob is trying to kill me. So they have to go to, like, this massive mansion where these two twin little kids are the ones that they... And it's like Home Alone mixed with every other Barbarian Brothers movie. Lots of pranks. Yeah. And, uh, like, oh, what the hell? Like, no, you didn't. And, like, fucking shit like yeah, that. Yeah, like, it's getting... Out of control. Getting their pants glued to the seat. And then you got the, the twins and then more twins. And then the end of the movie, you got so many twins they just there's like a collection oh, yeah because they finally get to open up their italian restaurant also the barbarian brothers as like aspiring restaurateurs like starting their italian restaurant is a great little cherry on top and like them with the huge white chef's hat <laughs> and just like and then they actually get to do some of their like italians that they're like hey and like watch the sauce Oh, um, it's amped up, dude. Yeah, but, at the, but yeah, at the mm. end, I forgot. Like, they need the assistance of all their twin friends. So there's like, like two like Asian twins. They're like kung fu guys, and there's like the like two black guy twins, and they're kind of like breakdance fighters. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, at the restaurant, there's like triplets who are the waiters. The waitresses oh, are yeah. triplets. It's like, I'll be right back. And it's like, can I get you anything? Well, I just gave can you my I, order. Yeah, and it's like, I'll something? be right back. Yeah. Can I get you anything? Wait, but what? Yeah, it's like, dude, it's just like more than one person humor. Yes, like, it's it a is. ton of just, this is so funny that they look the same, but they're not the same person over I'm and over. I'm surprised that like, what are they? The Del Rio triplets? The like three old ladies, they were in like 
married with children and Pee-wee's Playhouse and stuff. Uh, and I think they were in an episode of the New Monkeys, but they were like three older lady triplets that played country music. They they should have been in there. Um, but this film is right up there with any of Hulk Hogan's films. It's essentially the same thing except with two big buff guys. Uh, that's like that's the deal. Also, Double Trouble. They get this fucking plot. One of them is a detective. The other one, a famous jewel thief. And they have to work together to stop an even bigger jewel thief. And comedy ensues. And Uh, and I will say the reason why you should watch them is because of the Barbarian Brothers. As much screen time as they can get, the better. And I love the way they talk. And just I just put that shit on in the background. And just hearing that, like... (laughs) Barbarian Brothers ASMR. Yeah, just the just that I don't know. Like maybe there, I was just you know there is some nostalgia of just this kind. It's also so simple. This was of sort of like good guys, bad guys, which was also sort of a trait of a lot of eighties and nineties movies. It feels like everything these days. It's so like gray area. We know like the good guys always have something, some dark secret. And like, it's all like, that's the (laughs) whole thing is like, everything's confused. You know, you've got your like dark Knight Batman and it's like, is he even a good guy? And like, you got Sopranos and Breaking Bad. It's always like, they're always fucked up, you know? And it's like, there's something back in the day. You knew the Barbarian Brothers were the good guys. It's so, you know, this is like the nineties where like a movie's like, okay, who's the bad guy? Oh, it's, it's a Nazi, right? It's a guy in the KKK. (laughs) It's so easy to just be like, that's the bad guy. And it kind of goes to that era it's like the Barbarian Brothers, they're lovable idiots, but you know, they gonna they're gonna find the villain and they're gonna smash him over the head, you know? Yeah, they're gonna clock him together. Yeah, just yeah. Well, you you know, um what I said earlier about like their films always have toxic waste, like that's like Think Big is about them transporting like unknowingly this like big toxic waste cargo and then twin sitters there's like a whole thing about like there's like they're illegally dumping this toxic waste into the water supply and like this guy's gonna expose him so the mob has to stop him now the twin sitters have to stop the mob and it's like that was a very 90s thing too like like this like like fern gully and like like all like environmental shit was like a very cut and dry way of being like good guy bad guy yes exactly Um, but also during this time uh this is even better than their films they would go to troubled kids schools and perform and rap and like lift weights for them like (laughs) in order to steer them in the right direction (laughs) just good guys so (laughs) now here's where it gets murky as the public's fascination with massive hunks began to dwindle so did the barbarian brothers opportunities Not much is known about the brothers' activities during the last half of the 1990s. What is known is that David began a career as a photographer. He became fairly well-known in the fitness world as a physique photographer, later going on to shoot professional sporting events. Paul, on the other hand, began a personal training business in Venice Beach. David also appeared on an all-but-forgotten reality show. I don't even have the name of it. That was like the real world, but with bodybuilders and fitness freaks. Uh, So it was just like a buff real world. Um... (laughs) Now, David was way more accessible than Paul in the post-Twin Sitters years and is the only one of the two to have had another film offer. He was to appear in the 2005 action romp Sold Out, spelt like you got soul, like soul, Mm. uh, Sold Out, which would have also starred Gary Busey. But the project never went into production. Dude, a David, Paul, and Gary Busey vehicle? Holy fuck. That's just too much. 
it's unhinged. <laughs> it, it would have been fucking and called sold out. Like, like it's either about like blues or like supernatural shit. <laughs> like, yes, I want. There, there was such a long, uh, there was such a long time of like having blues in movies. Uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, we have Blues Brothers to thank for yeah. that. It's still going on. Yeah. It's still a thing because yeah. it's it's emotion, man. It's got emotion. So in the years following the failure of Sold Out, David Paul could be found at fitness expos and conventions, whereas his brother's whereabouts were largely unknown until a short video titled The Bumbarian appeared on YouTube in 2013. The video shows Peter Paul disheveled, to put it lightly, spouting off about all kinds of nonsense, some of it religious-based, mostly just incomprehensible ramblings. And now... This video, like when I found it, when I first started getting into the Barbarian Brothers, I was like, oh, fuck, like that's fucking crazy. And he's dressed like, yes, he's obviously homeless. But like if the video wasn't called the Barbarian, you wouldn't think that he was dressed in any like way out of character for him. Like it's just like as much rags and as much shit as he mm-hmm. could possibly put on. him. like in Twin Sitters, there's this great outfit that one of them wears where it's overalls, but they're shorts, like shorts overalls. And there's a rotary like phone cable, like the curl- curly mm-hmm. phone mm-hmm. cable, like just tied all around his body. And like where the slack is hanging off, there's a license plate attached to it serves no purpose, but that's like how he's dressed. And it's like very, it's like a very mentally ill homeless mm-hmm. look. He, you he, know, for lack of a better descriptor. Well, he looks like and he that's would it. be and like, really good. I was watching this and I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. But then I started watch, finding old interviews. And I want to play. This is David Paul, the one that kind of kept it together. Um, this is an interview he did for at a Gold's Gym before they were stars. And they always kind of sounded a little crazy. David Paul of the Notorious Barbarian Brothers. The reason we first came to California was we wanted to be the best bodybuilders. See, I was from the East Coast, from Rhode Island. Rhode Island is the smallest state in the United States. In fact, it's so small that last year they had the entire state carpeted. Just kidding. Anyway, um, we came out here because the reason we came out here is we wanted to just get, get big and bre- break the stereotypes of bodybuilders. That they're gay, narcissistic, that they look strong but they're weak. But we tried, but they were all true, so we couldn't break the stereotype. No, so what happened I said, what's going on? What can I do? I've been hopping around like a kangaroo. No, so what happened was, <laughs> these guys are laughing. I mean, this is serious stuff, bodybuilding. Now, I don't want to play any of the Bumbarian video because it just seems cruel. Um, you can find it. Again, we'll probably post it just for posterity, but we don't need to include a sample of that because it's just like, A, how do you pick one? B, it's... It's uh, it's sad, uh, mm-hmm. but David always stayed like a wacky dude, very spiritual into wellness. But like, of course, it had to be like his own brand, much like their their bodybuilding was. Now we wish that there was some sort of awesome comeback story here, like a rise from the ashes, anything to keep the fun of this episode going. But all we were able to find was that Peter is living in Rhode Island and runs a very sketchy YouTube channel called God Through Peter Palpin. That's the name of the channel. The channel features dozens and dozens of random videos, including a very, like a few very, very long videos of a very mentally ill or high Peter Paul ranting and raving to strangers, like in a local deli on a college campus. And in some clips, he seems to actually be behind like a counter, like in front of a whiteboard in a classroom doing this. Uh, and then like, 
then there's also like just weird abandoned building empty rooms but he's always accompanied by an unidentified filmmaker someone's holding the camera for him right but the most interesting videos are those that show peter paul leading some kind of church that he dubbed the faith street corner tavern that he uh, you know claims to be the uh the the leader of Mm -hmm. and there's several videos of him giving a tour through a pretty impressive house which he said that the church paid for but we found out more on that also, you got to understand, folks, that Bumbarian video I mentioned, up until like a week before we did this episode, I thought that was all there was. And then with just a little bit of YouTube comment digging, that the, the skill I learned from Parks, <laughs> I found like this, oh, yeah, like that guy's always on campus. He's crazy. Like, check this one out. And then like, then I found this like 500 video channel that Peter runs himself. Mm-hmm. And like, there's one video called, a, it was called the Coca-Cola commercial uh, from Faith Street Corner Tavern. And that we are going to play a bit of because he purposely made a video to try and make an advertisement for Coca-Cola uh, in hopes that they would sponsor his church. So this is the Peter Paul Coca-Cola ad from his Faith Street Corner Tavern church. Yeah, remember, remember back in the, in the 50s, in the, in the 60s, those Cokes that came in the bottles? That's all I want. I just want one of those bottles of Coke that, you know, nothing tastes like a Coke in a bottle. That wasn't a joke. That Coke, it's those Cokes they put in the cans now that taste like cans more than Coke. Or is it plastic more than Coke? That's a joke. That's a joke. So that I got a castle. I got a new face and waist and every other face and place. I just want a Coke, Dad. Please, a Coke in a bottle like they used to make back in the day. I want that. It's disturbing. Yeah. Uh, it's, and mean, when you watch weird. it, it's even more disturbing. It's for, yeah. And so he's in a church. He's got, they've got the big stained glass. He's got a nice uh, silhouette camera shot. So the light's coming in and it's kind of him silhouette. He looks, he doesn't look uh, massive, but he looks cut. You know, oh, they both stayed crazy he, he, lean. He, he still works out. He, yeah. Like they both still stayed working no, out, but they like just weren't about good being shape. Bulky. But yeah, he's just maybe not like the massive. Uh, he looks like he'd be really good at uh, poi. Um, <laughs> well, there's tons. Dude, there are videos that are 45 minutes long where it's just him dancing straight through all 45 minutes to like poi dance. I mean, music. and this like, channel has 700 subscribers. I mean, you know, we don't have a YouTube channel with 700 subscribers, but I'm just saying like, who are these people? You know, like what? This is some out there shit and then he does that thing where the videos are like spelled wrong and you'll just capitalize things for no reason this is very much an attribute of people who sometimes when they become sort of like religiously fanatic they'll start capitalizing things at random times and for instance like this one video i'm looking at uh it's saying we are building a team but the t is a cross He's, you know, <laughs> and just spelling things like, well, it's like the numerology kind of like finding the patterns. Like he has it. Like there's a great video. Uh, great. I mean, I don't want to sound insensitive here because the guy obviously is not well, but uh, there's one where he's in a deli and like, you could tell he comes in all the time. Cause the guys behind the counter are just like, Oh, this again. And he keeps saying stuff where he's like, Ooh, nest quick. But if it's so quick, then how do we get a glass of it? A glass glasses break. But if a glass doesn't break, was it ever a glass? And he just like keeps going on. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like my head's gonna explode. Yeah, yeah. like another <laughs> listening to another this. one is like the 
it says the biggest T's, but the G's and S's are capitalized. I'm not sure why. There's probably like a reason why certain letters are capitalized. Oh, he knows why. He knows why. Um, we don't. <laughs> we don't fucking know why. We got to watch all of these videos to find out. I'm telling you, dude, but I, I, I know you were working. And I was like, fuck, man, like, like I need someone like there's no one else in the world. I can be excited about finding Peter Paul's YouTube channel, but there's 500 videos and each one I click is crazier than the next. Oh, and then he does the uh, one of my favorite uh, when you spell Bible with like B Y B U L L. So like the animal Bible, oh my like an God. animal or calling it the libel. <laughs> um, but we've gotten really wow, off the deep dude. end here. Well, as for David Paul, the bigger, although only slightly of the Barbarian Brothers, died on March 6, 2020 of heart failure. Uh, it's a common occurrence for bodybuilders and those who uh, stretch themselves to the limit, especially with the use of steroids over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. His brother was unavailable for a public comment, but David is remembered by his friends as a life-loving goofball who was happy to have had his moment in the spotlight and was humbled by the life that he led after that spotlight went out. There is a lot of videos of, of people being like, we're here with one half of the Barbarian Brothers. I grew up on your movie. Like, like he, like they are really um, respected in the world of present day bodybuilding where things are a little bit more unconventional. Like they are looked at, like I found so many blogs where people posted like their entire workout regimens from like the Barbarian days. And they'd be like, this is crazy. It puts the German method to shame and like all this. They're still really kind of revered. And there's tons and tons of interviews with, with David. And yeah, he's always talking about spirituality. He seems to have it together. He's just eccentric. Like he's the kind of guy that like you would get an Airbnb and the guy who rented it out to you like lives in the front house. And he's like, oh, you guys want to smoke a joint? And then he would just keep you there talking about like how like Judaism and Buddhism are like exactly the same, but neither one is good for you. Like kind of shit. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like all yeah. this like weird, crazy shit. But um, there's like... Here, here's the thing. When I found Peter Paul's shit and I started going through it, I, I went to that era, like like March of 2020 through 2021, and there's tons of videos of him handling his deceased brother's affairs, like paying off his back taxes and handling debts and handling his property acquisition. And like, even though he looks insane, like dressed in full barbarian brother regalia, whereas Dave, like towards to like David towards the end of his life, he was just wearing like you know, spiffy jeans and like a flowy shirt. Like he wasn't full barbarian, Peter total barbarian. And he's going into these like social security offices and like IRS offices. And he's like, yeah, my brother, you know, my brother, I'm actually Peter from the pulpit of the uh, new church of the you know corner tavern and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I need to get this handled. And like, these people are just trying their best to work with them. But what happened was, Peter was, he got everything that David had. So David had this career as like this professional photographer and left Peter with this house. So like, there's all these videos of Peter basically being like homeless or, or, you know, seemingly homeless. And then all of a sudden he's in this beautiful mansion yeah. and all of a sudden he's got like all these computers and all this shit to make all this. And it's all his brothers <laughs> that was left to him. And like, oh, so he just bought a fucking church and like, just like is walking around this house making crazy dance videos, dude. It's a fucking bizarre story. Dude, some, some of the, like some of these videos are just, so weird man it, it, dude you're in a you you this, go into a dark place if you spend too much time on yeah that i know but some of the outfits are fire bra yeah fire like <laughs> i'm telling you some dude. of these 
Some of just his grab, outfits like, are amazing. Just grab six things that are around you and like put them on your body. That's how they dress. But I feel like he's he's adapted to the times. Like they're not really like 80s. I don't know. Like they've I don't know how to describe no, it. No, it's not. It's, it yeah, feels but it's very, still totally. It feels very yeah. like music festival on at the Bahamas or something. <laughs> it's like it's, yeah, it's, it's like, like it's like Coachella. Firefest, yeah, it's uh, it's like cheek. he's dressed. It's Firefest Coachella or something. I don't know. And then he's it, doing this it's dancing. Bizarre. It's fucking bizarre. Yeah. So, what does it all mean? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I have more well, questions <laughs> than answers. Now. Yeah. How am I going to wrap this one up? Yeah. Well, I guess it means that some people are too unique to not be famous. How could two eccentric bodybuilding identical twins with hearts of gold not make it in an industry full of copies of what worked before? While their legacy is maintained by bodybuilding historians as well as goofy movie and pop culture nerds like us, it is still a legacy worth preserving. The films of the Barbarian Brothers might not have been the sensational blockbusters they hoped they would be, but in a way, the twins accomplished exactly what they wanted, to entertain people. And that's what the Barbarian Brothers mean to me. That's beautiful. God, I love this one. This was such like I love these guys. You guys have to seek this shit out, dude. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to watch Twin Sitters. You got to watch this, and then you. I mean, again, I would say proceed with you know some sort of forewarning on Peter's channel. Uh, I'm not. We're not even going to give you a way to find Peter's channel. But, that one you can find on your own. I gave you the tools. Yeah, or you know, maybe, I'm not, maybe I don't think I'll page, share too many, <laughs> too many of any links know, to like, his shit. Um, it's this is like a this is a a corner of the internet, as you would say, you know. Yes. So. Yes. Well, we plugged everything at the top, folks. So again, check out our superstore. It's up and running now. Uh, they've just got a few things on there, but it, it's going to be growing. It's going to be uh, you know, your one stop shop for pop culture oddities and dump adjacent Woodstock 99 podcast 99 stuff. So that's culturedumps.bigcartel.com. And uh, again, follow us on or subscribe to our Patreon, if you will, for all sorts of bonus stuff. That's patreon.com slash or what is it? What What is our fucking it's patreon.com slash culture, culture dumps, dumps, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. I'm yeah. an idiot. I said it too many times now. Now, <laughs> now it's all muddled and I'm sure people listening are like, yeah, you did. You did say it too many times. We got to plug it. But we want to close out with um, an original song that David Paul was nice enough to leave the world before he passed on to the next realm. We, I don't have a title for it. There, there's no title. This is taken from a 30-minute interview. This is how he ended his interview. Beautiful song from one of the one of the Paul brothers, one of the Barbarian brothers. So we're going to play that. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm Parks Miller. Keep on dumping. Down on my luck but it's looking up I'm hungry and thirsty with an empty cup Life isn't easy but I love to live I ain't got much money but I love to give Now I'm not a minister but I love to preach Never liked school but I love to teach not a great singer, but I love to sing And I'll write a song about anything And the years, they gone by me And it's too late to go back again All my ghosts are behind me Creeping up now and then Playing this old 
guitar makes me a happy man. But I love to heal I'm not psychic So much I feel Don't go to church But God's in my heart And I don't know much about art Now I'm not a poet But I love to write I'm a lover though sometimes I fight Love the ocean But rarely swim I'm not brave but I'll go out on a land Years. They gone by me, and it's too late to go back again. All my ghosts are behind me, creeping up now and then. Playing this old guitar makes me a happy man. Playing this old guitar makes me a happy man.